Welcome to episode 47 of the 24-Hour Hustle Show. And today, we got special guest, speaker, entrepreneur, and author, Muffy Mendoza. Welcome to the 24-Hour Hustle Show. I'm your host, Anthony Freeze, and this is the show where we get the opportunity to sit down with amazing, accomplished guests that are maximizing on their time, and we are killing the excuse of time so that we can maximize on yours as well. If this is the very first time you're finding out about us, definitely make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit the bell so that you can get notified every time I post. But today we got special guest Mofi Mendoza. Um, I've seen a lot of the work that you've been doing. Um, you actually got nominated from the Hustle Nation community, so um, they definitely, they <laughs> really? definitely. Oh yeah, they, I didn't know that. Oh yeah, yes. Yeah. So I, I can't remember who it was, but um, I had just asked, like, you know, who are some people that you think would be a good fit to be on the show? And you were a name that got dropped in the comment section. You got tagged. And I, you know, started doing my research. And I was like, hmm, this is a good person that I could probably potentially put on the show. Well, and then I, uh, yeah, got a chance to check out <laughs> all, all the things. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I got to go check out that post and see who it exactly was. Um, if so, I may even tag you in this episode. So, but, um, uh, yeah, um, definitely love the work that you're doing from you being an author, a speaker, everything that you're doing with the Brown Mama's Mindset because you just recently came out with your own book. So mm -hmm. you're definitely doing a lot of great things. I definitely want to be able to pick your brain on how you've been able to do all the things that you're doing, what inspired you and things like that. So definitely looking forward to this conversation. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. I'm glad we got a chance to finally connect. I know the first time we got a chance to talk, it was over like Facebook Messenger, mm -hmm. but now we get to do it in person today. Absolutely. So, so I'm excited. Um, so for people who may not know who you are yet you know give us your name your background and all the things that you are doing right now well I'm Muffy Mendoza and what do I do a myriad of things really I just do whatever is coming to my mind that I feel like is innovative that I feel like is purposeful and aligns itself with you know who I am innately um, more than anything I started I started off with this community called Pittsburgh Brown Mamas, which has kind of turned into like a super community for black moms here in the city of Pittsburgh. Um, and I started it really because I really just wanted to make friends. And I always tell people that, and they're like, really? You really started it because you wanted to make friends? And I say, yeah, that was really the reason why I started it. Um, I just wanted to find, at the time I was going through a change in my life where my life was changing drastically because I had two more children. I got married and I became a stay-at-home mom after having been a working mom for a long time. And so I just wanted to meet like-minded moms because now I had all this space and time that I needed to fill up. And what I found um, over the years, because I started it back in 2012, was that moms were really yearning for deep friendship. And also, moms really needed a community, especially black moms needed a community that they could rely on for everything from advice to meeting some of their basic tangible needs um, to just having a place to go to find resources and get access to information and spaces and places in Pittsburgh that are not always common knowledge for African Americans in the city. And so the group just kind of ballooned. It started off, when we first started the Pittsburgh Brown Mamas Facebook group, we had maybe about... 10 people in there mm -hmm. and now we have yesterday I checked and we have 3,700 moms in there Wow! and then 
And what's dynamic about it is not just the number of moms that we have, but that it's such a close-knit, positive community. I think myself and the other women who um, have kind of latched on to the Pittsburgh on to Pittsburgh Brown Mamas have really assisted in making sure that it is a community that stays really positive and where we really, really do genuinely help each other when we need help. Okay. Um, and so that kind of just ballooned into me having a deep passion for black motherhood and really feeling like it needed to be something where African-American mothers were consistently hit with the message that being a mom does not have to be a burden, that it can actually be something that is enjoyable, that it is actually an opportunity. I always like to say black moms have to realize that motherhood is your own personal breeding ground for self-mastery. Every time you are hit with a challenge in motherhood, it's a life challenge. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity for you to overcome. So instead of looking at it as something that is now a burden to you living your life's purpose, a burden to being in the best relationship you can be a burden to just life in general begin to see this as constant opportunities for maximal gro maximum growth mm -hmm. and so that is kind of the message that I'm trying to sp spread through the brown mama mindset as well as my the speaking opportunities that I have is to just see motherhood for what it really is mm -hmm. it's one of the many life challenges you're going to be tasked with and this is your chance to just be the best you that you can be. Mm -hmm, absolutely. And I know one of the messages that you put out there is that you want to make moms better, to make dads better, mm -hmm. to make children into adults better, and to make communities uh, better as well. So absolutely. I think that's a great message. And it does start, you know, at the home with the mothers and things like that. And, 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 and women have a strong role in that and yeah. uh, it's definitely an important role so um so let's get into you know maybe your story a little bit and you know, maybe some of the things that has inspired you and um are you and i can't remember based off the conversation but you're not even originally from Pittsburgh, are you yes i oh, am i a apologize of, people no a lot of people because uh, i think you that. said you moved to new york or yes. something okay so that was something different okay cool so mm -hmm. yeah so what was your story like growing up and things like that so i grew up i mean i was <laughs> i was a regular just I like to say I was a very regular kid. Mm -hmm. Like, I grew up with a single mom. I, the, the average black woman's story is very similar to mine. I grew up with a single mom. I grew up in pretty much every neighborhood in the city of Pittsburgh because we moved around a lot because my mom worked a lot. Um, and, of course, just like most African-American people in the city of Pittsburgh, even though my mother was a working mother, we were amongst the working poor. Um, so we moved a lot, and I lived in a lot of different communities. Um, but I, I would say that what really inspired me throughout my childhood was my mother. And the older I got, the more I realized that my mother was the hero of my life, that she really shepherded and sheltered me in a very positive way from being engaged in and being exposed to many of the things that were going on around me. So I remember growing up, I spent a lot of time growing up in Wilkinsburg and um, during that time, I was a, I'm was an 80s baby, mm. so I grew up in Wilkinsburg and a lot, if you know anything about Pittsburgh, you know that in Wilkinsburg during the 80s, the law gang ran Wilkinsburg. Mm. And I remember my uncle even coming down from Chicago at one point to visit my family and getting robbed at gunpoint for his sneakers and his coat mm. <laughs> um, and coming back home. But my mother, it's interesting because my sisters and I always say we didn't know we were poor. We didn't know that we were struggling until we got much older. Like I would say an older teenager, it finally dawned on me like, oh, my mom is leaving and she's not coming back till eight o'clock at night. 
um, or my mom is struggling to get food on the table, it didn't dawn on me. So my mom really did a good job of sheltering me from that so that I was able to maintain a lot of the innocence that children that live in the ghetto don't necessarily always get. Um, she also did a really good job of sheltering me from what was going on in the community um I still had a beautiful childhood I was able to go outside and play with my friends I mm. made friends um I ripped and ran all over Wilkinsburg I remember times being on top of people's roofs with a boom box <laughs> making up dance steps and I'm like that's not what you think of when you think of growing up in a gang infested community mm. so you know I would say my my story is not very different from most African-American women who grew up in the city of Pittsburgh. But I think what is unique is that rather than looking upon my mother as someone who was just a struggling person, I really looked to her as a hero because she was my hero. She was, when I got older and realized that not every woman in my community had been so sheltered mm -hmm. or had had the opportunity to, to have their innocence as a child, it really made me look to my mother like, dag, she... I mean, she just did a phenomenal job. Mm, that's awesome. And it does seem like she's been a, a huge example in your life, which has you know, led you to the point where you are right now, for sure, and even starting that Facebook group and things like that, and then eventually moving on to you know creating a business around this. So uh, what came first? Because I know you do a lot of things. You, you just recently came out with your own book. You, you do a podcast, um, and you also do events um, here and there with um, the Brown Mama's Monologue. So what? So how was uh, it like starting all of this up, and what came first? So the group came first, and then everything else kind of came as a production of that group. And so <clears throat> it's interesting because the group is really what has taken up the massive amount of time that I've spent doing this. I spent pretty much the first five years just keeping this group organizing, organized, consistently having meetups, um, engaging in real one-on-one -on -one relationships with the women, sometimes taking from my own household to provide for women who I didn't even know. And so I always like to tell people, they're like, oh, how did you create this group? I'm like, that was labor. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, that was real labor that I got. I would say pretty much no recognition for it. Nobody knew that women were inboxing me and saying, hey, I just got home from the hospital, I need food, or hey, um, they just cut my gas bill off, what should I do? And I didn't have, when I first started Brown Mamas, I was able to get a Sprout Fund grant mm -hmm. um, to hold a series of classes, and so I did that. But once the money was exhausted, that did not stop the mother's needs from coming in. Right. And so I still felt it was my duty as a woman, as a woman who is now heralding and shepherding this community um, to do that. And so that was the first five years of, of, of doing Brown Mamas was just helping, mm -hmm. is really asking that question, how can I help? And I would say the last three years has been me defining who I want to be in this new space. Mm -hmm. um, and that is when I really started to really go back to my roots because most people don't know that I'm a communicator at heart. That is what I was doing prior to becoming married, prior to um, having children and becoming a stay-at-home mom. I worked for the Pittsburgh Courier. I worked for American Urban Radio Networks. I've written for several na national publications. Um, so that's just what, I'm do what I do. In the last three years, I've really just started to think more deeply about that and spend a lot of time doing just that thinking thinking about who I wanted to be in this new space and so 
last year I started actually doing daily affirmations because mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to be a public speaker. Um, I love to talk, I love to listen, and I love to hear other people's stories and then find a way to very organically, as well as in a purposeful way, communicate everything that I've learned to people in a way that they can understand. Mm -hmm. And so last year I started doing these daily affirmations. Every day I would wake up and say, I am Muffy Mendoza and I am the world's foremost public speaker for African American people. And that's all I would do. Mm -hmm. I would just do that. <laughs> And so I'd never applied to do a TED Talk before. Mm -hmm. And the first time I applied, I got it. Awesome. And so I knew at that moment, I was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to follow this light. And so earlier this year in February, I was able to do a TED Talk. And I'd also known that I'd put, I'd put a pin in something a while before that. I was meeting at a coffee shop with a local mom and I said, you know, I really want to tell some of these moms stories because at this time I'm getting like all these inboxes from moms telling me their sob stories. Some of them true, some of them not. Mm -hmm. um, and I was like, I need to find a way for these moms to tell their stories in a public way. Mm -hmm. And I had said to my girlfriend, I said, I want to do a monologue show with moms. And it was interesting because that same year that I was doing those manifestations, those daily affirmations, I'd applied to do this show called Listen to Your Mother. Mm -hmm. And they accepted me. So I went on stage and told my unique mothering story. Um, and all of those things was like, once I got the TED Talk and then Listen to Your Mother, I was like, I need to do this for myself. And so that was how the Brown Mama Monologues manifested itself. I had 10 awesomely talented, beautiful women with extremely thought-provoking stories earlier this year they took the stage we had a crowd of over 200 people wow. and it was just beautiful because it's it cemented for me mm -hmm. yes this is what you're supposed to be doing it's not just about motherhood it's just not just about cultivating this community but it's kind of about becoming this spokesperson for empowering black mothers and helping us to realize that just because you grew up poor, just because you grew up in a gang-infested neighborhood, just because you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks, quote-unquote, doesn't mean you can't raise beautiful children. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean you can't cultivate community within your community. You don't have to go to Monroeville. You don't have to go to Fox Chapel. You can stay in your neighborhood. You can begin to cultivate community there, and you can make it a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. Mm -hmm. And so... You know, that's the message that I have, and it's the message that I want to continue to spread to black mothers all throughout the United States is create community where you are, love the position that you are in, realize that you are more than capable of raising beautiful children, and love yourself and, and follow your God in light. Mm, that is awesome. That is amazing. Especially, you know, with the empowering women and things like that. That is amazing. One of the messages that I know you put out there a lot and topics that you discuss a lot as well is because you also do homeschooling for your for your children. Um, so for people that may be watching this episode right now that may be interested in homeschooling, may not know a lot about it, but they want to get some more information from somebody like you with your experience, how would somebody that is interested and maybe want to start uh, homeschooling, how does someone get into homeschooling their own children? I mean, it's, honestly, homeschooling is a fairly easy process. You mm -hmm. just go take your kids out of school. That's it. Mm -hmm. And then usually every state has different rules. Um, 
Some states you have to file an affidavit, some states you don't. Some states you just have to declare that you're homeschooling your kids. Some states you have to do a portfolio every year, some states you don't. Mm -hmm. It just depends on, you know, where you live at. So I would say there's a website called HILDSA, but it's H-L-D-S-A dot org. You should go on there and find out what your state's laws are, um, you know, pertaining to homeschooling. But I will also say that homeschooling has to be the an extension of a mindset that you have. My mindset always was, since I started Brown Mamas, because I was a stay-at-home mom when I did it, I knew that we had to go together. I was not going to be successful and leave my kids behind. Um, but I also knew that it was up to me, not the teachers, not the administrators, not the board, to ensure that my children were properly educated. And not only that they were properly educated, but that they received the education that was going to ignite the fire inside of them, the purpose inside of them. So that was what was most important to me. And I knew that I could not, I knew that it was not fair to me say, I, for me to say, I'm going to live in my life's purpose and not give my kid the same opportunity. So I knew I wanted freedom for them. I knew I wanted freedom for myself. So I said to myself, how dare I not give them that same opportunity? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's always been a mindset of we go together. Mm -hmm. So once I was able, I'm a stay-at-home mom. I've been a stay-at-home mom since I married my husband. And I had prayed for years. I want my husband to come home. I want him to figure out what he loves about his life. I want him to figure out what he wants to do with his life. And I want him to come home and do that. And now we are a 100% entrepreneurial family. I do what I do. My husband has an education technology business. My son has a landscaping business. And we're working with the other two because they're just babies <laughs> to figure out what they want. But we, we also make it free for them to change. My son may want to do landscaping today, and tomorrow he wanna make, may want to do something completely different. He's mm -hmm. actually helping my husband with his business these days. So I think homeschooling has to come out of a mindset, whatever that mindset is for you. But it has to, it can't just be, you know, I want to do this because I don't like teachers. It's not the way it works because that's going to run out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that fuel is going to run out eventually and you still got to figure out what to do with these children. Mm -hmm. So I would say don't rush to homeschool. If it's something that's piquing your interest, find out why. Mm -hmm. What is it inside of you that is saying this is something that needs to be done? And if you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, and it really is that you just don't like the teachers, find a different school. Mm. Gotcha. And then, um, so specifically for PA, do you have to fill out any paperwork for that? And, mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, so let's talk about that. So as far as, like, PA goes, as far as maybe the paperwork goes, and do you have to, like, come up with a curriculum, or do you got to, like, turn anything in and create a portfolio of, like, what they're learning? Like, do you have to go out? Like, what's that look like whenever you're going through that year of, like, actually educating and homeschooling your, your children? So Pennsylvania is a three-step process. You have to file an affidavit. You pull your kids out of school. You file an affidavit that says that's pretty a standard legal document that you can print out on brownmamas.com. If you go on brownmamas.com and go underneath the homeschooling tab, I have all the paperwork there that you need to um, pull your kid out of school. So you pull them out, file the affidavit. You can file a list of objectives for each child, a list of educational objectives. It just says, this year we want to learn about Native Americans. This year we're going to learn, um, you know, nouns, adjectives, and this and this and that. And then at the end of the school year, you have to do what's called an examiner's review. So you have someone who is certified by the state, whether it be a teacher, administrator, somebody who has a certificate of education from the department 
of what is it called Department of Education here in Pennsylvania um, and they review your portfolio um, and a portfolio can be as simple as a few worksheets that just show your child's progress from year to year to as complex as like three binders it's mm. up to you really as a parent and it's up to the examiner's preferences so I would say in Pennsylvania it is a fairly easy process mm -hmm. now a lot of people from down south would disagree because their their um, requirements are nowhere near as strenuous as that mm -hmm. um, but I would say it's a fairly simple process I've never found it to be something that you know would deter me or make me put my kids back in school mm -hmm. and what does it look like whenever you're doing the educating or the character development with them like what does it look like as far as ratio to like what you focus on and spend your time on as far as like the educating part um, during that day to day I would say number one, I when I first when my kids first came home, my biggest question was, what are they doing with kids in school all day? Mm -hmm. Because it just doesn't take that long. Uh -huh. <laughs> I was like, how are they turning a three hour day into an eight hour day? There must be a lot more going on. And I found that out when I started going up to my son's school. But that's neither here nor there. Um, for every family, it looks different. Like I know a lot of homeschoolers now. Um, and it just looks different. Some people actually take what is going on in the classroom and they do bring it home and mm. make it an eight-hour day. For my family, that does not work well. My kids do a lot of activities outside of the home. Like we had talked about that earlier. My son plays soccer. My middle son plays basketball. My older son finds all kinds of interesting and dynamic programming that he wants to do, whether it's building a video game or doing an entrepreneurial program mm. in the local community. Um, and then... But we also do have like a base curriculum that we do every morning with the kids. So everybody has a journal and we require them to write in their journal every day. They pick a book probably every, it takes them maybe three weeks to complete a book. So they probably pick a new book every three weeks and they got to read every morning mm -hmm. and they've got to do math. My husband is very strenuous with the math. Mm -hmm. So my middle son is actually already doing algebra and my oldest son is in, he's in geometry right now. My baby, he detests math, so <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting him to the point where he even likes to do it. But um, So we do that with them every morning as well as we do these things called two-minute mysteries, mm -hmm. and they play chess every morning. Okay. Um, so it just it looks different for every family just depending on – it took us time to even get to that routine because we had to really figure out, you know, what was going to work for our kids. And the one thing we did not want was that we did not want our kids to detest learning. Mm -hmm. So – I was not the parent who brought my kids home and just said, you know, I'm going to take what they're doing in the classroom and bring it home because it was already, from them, it was a resounding, no, we don't like what's going on in the classroom. So mm -hmm. we don't want to do that at home. So you just got to figure out what works for your family. Mm -hmm. And do y'all go on, like, any trips or anything like that? How does that look? Yeah, we do a lot of, that's actually, for this school year, that has been a big emphasis for us just this school year alone, we're only three weeks in, and we've taken the kids to a wildlife reserve. We've taken the kids to an out-of-state, um, what is it called, science center. What else have we done? Uh, we were in, what state were we in? At the, that was for the first day of school. That was what we did for the first day of school, and we went to a place called Shioto Mile. Mm -hmm. So we are big on school on field trips because I think that that's how kids learn like the more you expose them to even kids that are in schooling environments if your kid is in a school and they're only doing one field trip a year like you need to seriously examine 
how well that school is using their resources because the best way the kids learn is just by exposing them to new things and mm-hmm. allowing their minds to capture what is innately uh, what's the word I'm looking for what is innately purposeful for them mm-hmm. because you you take five kids and you put them you know take them on a field trip they're all going to see something different because mm-hmm. they're all different people they're supposed to be capturing different things in order for them to live in their life's purpose later on down the line so I think it's just important that you expose them to new things and allow them to utilize their unique perspective to make inferences and um, to just decide for them what is exciting and what is interesting. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And one of the things that you actually mentioned earlier is just about mindset. And I always feel like mindset is definitely the most important key to everything that we do. It's a, it's our computer. It's where everything that we do from you know how we act, our attitude, um, to the things that we do and feel all comes from our mindset. So one of the things that you've been able to come out with is the Brown Mama's Mindset book. Um, so what started that or what was like the concept behind it? What's it all about? What do you like to, you know, what's the big message that you get across in that book? So the Brown Mama Mindset is just that. It's a, it's, it's a way that black moms can begin to look at the world with a couple of things. So extreme self-accountability. I think that the reason why many moms cannot live in their self in their purpose is because they're not being real with themselves about what they're willing to be accountable for in their lives. Mm-hmm. Like if you can't get the kids in the bed on time so that you can spend that extra two hours writing your book or getting your blog ready or doing your social media media, what, what is the reason? Mm-hmm. What is the real reason? What are you allowing to take up space there that should not be taking up space? Mm -hmm. Um, So we've got to begin to be extremely accountable, not only in our relationships with our children, but internally in in terms of self-care and the self-love and the self-talk that we do internally. We've got to be accountable in the relationships that we engage in in a day-to-day basis, and we've got to be accountable for what is happening in our homes. I can count on two hands how many times I've had moms come to my home and they're like, well, how do you get your home to run like this? Because I know it's my responsibility. Mm-hmm. Nobody else is going to do it. Right. If I don't go home, today I have a mountain of laundry. If I don't go home and do that laundry, it's not getting done. Mm-hmm. Or at least delegate. You do this, you do that, you do this. Nobody else is going to do that. So that's number one. The Brown Mama Mindset is about accountability. The next thing that the Brown Mama Mindset is about is just about realizing that self-mastery is key. You've got to master yourself. Mm-hmm. Once you become accountable for yourself, now you've got to lay everything out on the table. My dad says, always says, I lay out my whole program for the day. Well, you've got to do that for yourself. Lay out all your characteristics out on the table. What is working? What isn't working? And be real about what isn't working. Mm -hmm. Yes, you may love donuts, but donuts don't work (laughs) when you got work to do. Donuts mess up your mind, donuts mess up your body. So you've gotta be willing to master yourself. And then the last of that is that you've just gotta be willing to be real about what you really want in your life. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you really want? Yeah, you're a mom, but that doesn't mean you can't be an Olympic swimmer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're a mom, but that doesn't mean that you can't be in a loving relationship be real about what you really want and stop trying to a lot of times we engage in self-talk internally that worked for us as a child that doesn't work for us anymore Mm -hmm. but we keep in this cycle of talking to ourselves in this way even though it doesn't work 
and sometimes when you have children it compounds it because then those those ideas become solidified because now you believe that your way is the right way and it's your job to impose your will on your child mm -hmm. that's not real mm -hmm. your job is to be the best you that you can possibly be and from the outpouring of that your kid will become good because they've only been example they've only their only example is greatness and excellence so let your example be greatness let your example be excellence and you won't have to worry so much about making sure that the kid does exactly what you say when they say it. Because mm -hmm. if the only example they have is excellence, they have no ch choice but to at least be great. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because they got that example and seeing it in you every single mm -hmm. day. So that's a good start for sure because they see it, they hear it, and they get to see somebody actually taking action on exactly. it every single day. And then with you pouring that into them, it, it's eventually going to rub off on them because of the association that they have with you. Um, so let's let's get into you know maybe some of the, the struggles that you may have faced in even getting this book started because that's a huge task you're homeschooling you're doing a podcast you're blogging and you're writing a book and, you, and you're also speaking in between that so how were you able to manage writing this book and what were maybe some of the initial challenges that you faced in getting this started and how did you overcome that so my challenge is always that I'm an extremely I'm almost too innovative for my own daggone good because I always have a new idea. Uh -huh. So my challenge is the post-it note challenge. Uh, <laughs> I got I had, notes everywhere. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got notes everywhere. You're like, I need to do that, and then you do that, and then you do that. Uh, and it's I'm like, say what? but no. Right, right. <laughs> but you've got to focus on one thing. So most people, so let I actually finish the book early last year because I finally got it in my head like I had my chap my book is 15 chapters long <laughs> I had already written how many pages is that it's 270 something pages. <laughs> okay so but I'd as of the end of last year or the end of 2017 I'd already written nine chapters of the book uh-huh I just could not get the last chapters done because I'm so scatterbrained uh -huh. so I hired a coach okay and it was the best decision I ever made hands down um, and she just pushed me to finish mm -hmm. and like was like this is the deadline if you're not done with by this deadline you still gotta pay me so, uh -huh. so either you're gonna be done or you're not gonna be done and, and, and that really helped me and I always tell people I used to be a person who was like I will never hire a coach I don't need a coach I'm smart I'm innovative I've got if you can't get it done, mm -hmm. you need an accountability partner. Yeah. Now, whether that's your mama, whether that's your cousin, or whether you just got to put some money where your mouth is, is irrelevant. But sometimes you need somebody to push you. So that was my number one challenge. And then my second challenge was my family. Mm. Just to be 100. Like, my right when I was almost done with my book, I was like one chapter away. My husband's father passed away. Mm. And so... At that time, my husband had just left his job to start his own business. So he had to hold his business, and everything I had to do came to a screeching halt. And so I was like, I was, we were actually going to debut my book the day that the TED, that I was going to take You're the, TED do the same day. stage. <laughs> and it could not happen because a week before that, my, my father-in-law passed away. Yeah. So I'm like in Chicago, or not in Chicago, back in New York City miles away from my computer and the peace of mind that I needed to finish this book. So I just had to I had to re-strategize and rearrange. And that was a really sobering moment for me because what it taught me was you can't say families first and then not be family first. Mm -hmm. Like if that is what we've decided, 
if that is one of our driving forces, then it has to continue no matter what. Mm -hmm. And that meant, all right, the book was supposed to launch in February. It didn't launch till May. But great things still happened. Mm -hmm. I mean, so that's one of the things I learned through that experience is just that don't speak about it, be about it. And sometimes being about it is hard. And sometimes being about it means that you're not going to get what you want. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that the destiny is any further off, mm -hmm. you know, regardless. Absolutely. And that's definitely a good tip as far as being able to maximize your time because in those 24 hours a day, we do have that time to be able to get things done. So having a coach that you can be accountable to yes. is definitely good. Setting deadlines is definitely good as well. I know that helps me. Mm -hmm. um, even in doing the show, it's like, I put this out every Friday. That's my deadline. You got to get it done by Friday and get it out there. Mm -hmm. So having deadlines and goals for, like, different milestones that you want to hit is definitely good. Uh, and then having the coach to kind of be like, hey, where you at on this? Absolutely. Are, are you getting close? The date is getting a little close. Like, where you at? So um, that's definitely some good tips on that for sure. So as you, as you move further with this, like, where do you see this going in, like, the next maybe two to five years? I know one of the things that you mentioned uh, that your purpose is in, is in speaking. And and being able to do that some more. So where do you see yourself going with everything in maybe the next two to five years? Or what's the big goal? What's the big plan? So it's great that you mentioned that because I actually have some phenomenal people around me right now who are really just helping me to fine-tune what I'm doing. And first and foremost, my, my mission always that I can never run away from because it is what I've been called to do is to cultivate communities for black women, uh -huh. for black mothers specifically. <clears throat> and so I have a few things that I'm doing that I'm not ready to disclose yet, but okay. outside of the city of Pittsburgh to really get women to cultivate communities where they are, cultivate communities that are useful to them and to cultivate communities that can assist them in the rearing and raising of their children. The second thing is the book we are about to debut one more Brown Mamas book. So okay. Brown Mamas will actually be a canon of books for black mothers. And we will be debuting the next one in the next 30 days. Okay. Um, so Brown Mamas is a brand. It is a brand for black mothers. We have our t-shirts. This is one of there them. There we go. And we have a line of t-shirts. And so we are rebranding to be a brand for black mothers that focuses on giving educational resources to black mothers that helps them to raise their children in a way that is culturally competent for black women. Um, and then lastly, my goal in life is to take this message wherever I can take it, whether it be here on a podcast, whether it be on another stage, mm -hmm. whether it be in small, <clears throat> intimate settings with other black mothers who really just need to get to the down to the root cause of why they are not living and breathing in communities that are already servicing them. Because at the end of the day, that is what a community does. A community services its inhabitants. So the question is for us black mothers, why aren't we why aren't we having those type of communities despite all of the work we've done because black women have worked so tireless, tirelessly to uplift black communities but still our communities are lacking many things in terms of economics in terms of education so the question is how do we get them to begin to do that and I think Pittsburgh Brown Mamas the, the beautifully dynamic group that we created there is a starting point mm -hmm. and so I want to, to travel and speak about that mm -hmm. to speak about how we did it because it wasn't just me. This group was cultivated by many women 
over the years, women who have, you know, come in and lent their healing hands, their healing voices, their healing hearts. Um, and so I want to talk, I want to talk very seriously about how we can begin to do that, not just in Pittsburgh, but in other cities as well. Mm -hmm. And I think you've been able to utilize social media very well to be able to get this message across. Like I mentioned a couple times here already, you know, by having your own podcast, you have uh, have your own blog, you're posting stuff on YouTube as well. So, you know, if people don't know, subscribe to her channel. Um, check that Please. out. Definitely a lot of good, <laughs> definitely a lot of good insight on there as well. Um, and then one of the things that you also mentioned as well, as far as like where people can get the documents on your website, like that's that's phenomenal stuff. And you've been able to also create your community as well uh, through using uh, Facebook group pages as well. So you've been able to do these and, and spread your message out in a positive way. And I, I love what you're doing. Definitely Thank proud you. of the work you're doing. Thank and uh, you're definitely using it effectively. So what are some one of the things we always try to talk about as well is like how people are managing their social media. So with like I said, the ton of abundant things that you're doing, how are you managing your social media? Because I looked at your stuff. On YouTube, I was like, "Dang, she posted a video like last week, week before that, week before that." You doing your podcast? I see you live like every two minutes on Facebook. <laughs> like, how are you getting all this stuff done? That is crazy. <laughs> so, what I've been trying to do because if you follow me on Facebook, you know I never post on my personal account. I probably post on my personal account once, once every two or three weeks uh-huh. because I just go through and like people's stuff. But I, I, I lead with my heart. That's just to be honest. Like when you see me, it's very, if you're seeing me live, most of the time it's not planned unless I'm coming on for the podcast or unless I'm saying, oh, I'll be here next week. I just try to lead with my heart and be genuine. Um, And I don't, my mother and a really good friend of mine have taught me, a really good friend of mine told me a long time ago, she said, what is in the cup is for you. What is outside of the cup is for everybody else. So I just try to give people what is outside of my cup. What is my testimony? I try not to talk about things that I'm not knowledgeable about. I try not to talk about things that I don't know about or haven't had firsthand experience with. Um, And that's how I run my social media because I'm going to be honest. Like, I have three kids. I have a husband who just started a business. Um, I have a whole household to run. Like I said, I have, I'm cultivating a community of black women who need me, who need each other, and constantly just trying to make those connections. Nothing about my social media is planned right now. Okay. I don't have the time to plan. Mm-hmm. I just try to lead with what I know people need to hear. Um, and eventually I hope to find a social media manager, wink, wink, <laughs> <laughs> who can, you know, assist with that. But right now I just lead with my heart and just try to do what that, I feel like is the right thing. That's awesome because I would not have known that. I mean, but what's good, what I would say is good about you just doing it off the cuff is that it's transparent, it's real, and people can actually connect to it a lot better. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like I said, I would, and I, I would also say, like, you have a no excuse attitude, which is even better. And, mm-hmm. I, and I love Absolutely. that because it is important if you're looking to build a, br- a business, if you're looking to build a brand, you got to put your stuff out there to the world so that they know about you. Um, uh, otherwise, you're invisible. Absolutely. Um, but um, I feel like you do it very well, very Thank effectively. Because like I said, like every two minutes or every so hour or something like that, I see you posting up live or something like that. But your your message is always getting pushed out there, which is great. Um, <laughs> so um, 
So as we get closer to wrapping up, um, what are, where's the best place for people to contact you, maybe to get the book, because I know it's expanding outside of Pittsburgh as well. Where's the best place for people to contact you, maybe get the shirts and things like that, maybe, you know, your channel. And this will be the place to, to plug your stuff away. So where's the place to uh, get to you the best? So the best place to buy my book is not on Amazon. <laughs> Do not go on Amazon to buy my book. Go to brownmamas.com. That's a good tip as well. <laughs> Please, don't. Don't go to Amazon. <laughs> Go to brownmamas.com and purchase my book. That is the best place you can um, purchase it at. Um, like Anthony had mentioned, we just, I was actually able to work with some bookstores, a bookstore in uh, New Orleans, The Learning Tree, as well as two bookstores in Chicago, Afroware and Frontline Books, to get my books into those stores. Um, and I'm working on more. <laughs> so I'll let you know. I will keep you posted. Um, but you can find mostly everything about me on brownmamas.com as well as muffymendoza.com. You can find me there as well. Awesome. And then the last question I always ask is, what's the 24-hour challenge that you would propose to the audience that they could take effective action on after watching this episode? Because you laid down a lot of good information, a lot of good insight. We don't want people to watch this and not take any action whatsoever. So what would be a good 24-hour challenge for them? Find your true north. Like, if you don't do anything in a 24-hour period, make sure that you are working on constantly developing whatever it is that your essence is. Like, for me, my essence is freedom. Everything I do in some way must be expressing that I don't want to do what anybody wants to do except for what I want to do. So I'm always centering myself around that. And I think it's, we live in a culture today where everybody says, just balance it. Balance those two things out. Make it so that they get even. That's not real. Right. That's not real. Mm -hmm. You can't, look, I'm, I, sometimes I'm going to be spending time reading books with my kids. And sometimes I'm going to be on a computer upstairs like, leave me alone. Mm -hmm. But because I'm able to stay centered, that is what's most important. I know what drives me. I know what those driving forces are for myself. So in a 24-hour period, you need to be centered so that the career doesn't matter as much as the fact that you are constantly moving towards whatever your true north is. Like, mm -hmm. you need to figure that out. Absolutely. And if you have a feeling of what that true north may be for you, definitely make sure you put that in the comment section. You got 24 hours to actually do that. At least put something in there, uh, the, you know, at least one word of what you feel like yours may be. I know you said yours is freedom. Mm -hmm. I feel like if I were to think about it, mine's is legacy because okay. I want to lay down a legacy like whenever I feel like, you know, whenever I pass, I've left a life behind that will able to be able to benefit a lot of other people as mm. well. So that's what it is for me. Um, what What is it for you? Like in one word, you got 24 hours to put it down in the comment section of what that may be. I think that'll be a good challenge as well because Absolutely. if you don't know where you're going, if you don't feel like what your purpose is in life, where, what are you doing? You know what I mean? So I think that is a very good challenge as well. So Absolutely. I definitely look forward to seeing all the things you got going in the future from the book expanding some more to more speaking engagements. I definitely am proud of the work that you're doing, proud Thank of the work you. that you're going to be doing. I'm proud of your work. I appreciate it. Um, he said this is the 47th show, y'all. Uh, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Been putting them out consistently for sure. So um, definitely appreciate you having you on. Um, and then... Um, yeah, you definitely are, are doing great things in the future as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for being on to the show. Um, now that we know what Muffy does with her 24 hours, definitely make sure you comment with maybe some good feedback that you got out of this episode. Maybe at least three things, maybe one action plan that you want to take. Definitely accept that challenge of at least one at least one thing that you feel like your purpose may be. And then uh, if you like this, definitely make sure you like, subscribe, share it as well, and we will see you 
on the next episode.